Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Thank you, worship team, for leading us so wonderfully in worship uh, this morning. So good to be in church, so good to be able to worship the Lord. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I'd like to um, just share a few thoughts from the Scripture, and then we're going to be breaking bread together uh, this morning. Start the new new year with um, communion and uh, just breaking bread together. It's just powerful and awesome. Amen. Uh, Luke chapter 4, and I'm reading from verse 16. The Bible says this. Luke chapter 4, reading from verse 16. Uh, He went to Nazareth where where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, a recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. We thank you for your spirit and your presence that is here. We thank you for your word, um, which speaks to us every time we, we, we open up your word, Father. We know that it has the power to change and transform our lives. Father, we just pray that you would speak to us today. We don't want to hear from a person, Lord. We want to hear from you. Uh, Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom. Recognize that it's by your grace and for your glory, Lord God. And this morning, Father, you would speak a word into our lives and into the life of this church. I pray in the name of Jesus. Let our hearts be open to receive from you. Let, let, Let there be... Father, no distractions or stumbling blocks to the hearing of your word today. Let faith be released, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, as we enter into 2019, I want to speak on the subject, uh, the year of the Lord's favor. Uh, As we look at the text that we read here today, Jesus is about to uh, begin his ministry. By this time, he's been baptized uh, by John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3. Uh, And then we enter into Luke chapter 4. Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days and for 40 nights. And after that, uh, he is tempted by the enemy, by the devil. Uh, You read about that at the beginning of Luke chapter uh, 4. And after being tempted, the Bible says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit 
and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. I, I love that. I love that phrase. And it says, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. I don't know how that actually happened back 2,000 years ago. There was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. There was no Twitter. Uh, how did news about him spread through whole, throughout the whole countryside? I tell you how it spread. Because Jesus was beginning to do something and people were telling everybody else. I, I, I would like to pray that news about Life Christian Center would spread everywhere. Not, not, not because of the church, not because of the people, but because of what Jesus is doing amongst us. Because Jesus is, is the one who heals. Jesus is the one who sets free. Jesus is the one who transforms the human heart. And my prayer would be that, that above all else, 2019, that God would move amongst us. The Bible then says that Jesus went to Nazareth. It was the place where he grew up. It was the Sabbath. He went to the synagogue. And he stands up to read a scripture. Scripture that he reads is actually from the book of Isaiah. And I, wanna, I want us to kind of enter into the text here today. I want us to, I'm sure we've all read the text in some time, or most of us might be familiar with this particular text. But what I'd like us to do is try to enter into what was happening on this particular day and try and appreciate the significance of what was actually happening on this day. Jesus was reading from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. And he wrote 750 years before Jesus was actually born. He's the most quoted prophet of the, uh, in the New Testament. He's quoted more uh, by the Apostle Paul. He's quoted more in the Gospels than any other prophet in the Old Testament. And, and there are some great scriptures in the book of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah is always quoted at Christmas and Easter because it contains a number of prophecies that speak about Jesus Christ. They speak about the birth of Jesus and it's not just some random scriptures. It's not some vague prophecies. They are specific prophecies that speak about the, the specific life of Jesus, who he was, his ministry, how he would live and also how he would die. Why do we believe in Jesus? Why do we believe Jesus is the Son of God? I tell you, one of the reasons why we believe that is that before he even stepped foot on the earth, there were prophecies that were written about him and all of those prophecies have come to pass. And here was Jesus about to read a prophecy and this was no ordinary prophecy. This was a prophecy about himself written hundreds of years before. And to understand what was happening that day, we also need to understand something about synagogues. And when the people of Israel no longer had the temple, uh, synagogues were set up as a place of worship on Sabbaths. It was where that they would gather together, much like we are gathering here today. During the services, they would have singing and reading and teaching. A typical service would go for about an hour. And there would be an order of service. Uh, every week, they, they would have a reading from the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, the scriptures would be read sequentially. So they would read a text, and then the week after, they would read the following text, and so on and so on. Uh, back then, they didn't have the Bible as we have it. They didn't have print. Uh, the Bible was actually recorded on scrolls. And uh, some of these scrolls, like the scroll of Isaiah, would have been a massive uh, scroll, and they would have been prepared in advance for the reading. So before the service actually began, much like we do prepare for the service, uh, they would have prepared the scrolls for the reading during the service. So Jesus attends that synagogue in Nazareth where he grew up. Now we don't know if he was rostered on to read the text on that particular day, kind of seems that way, but uh, it could have also been that as a visiting rabbi, they may have given him the opportunity to read. 
So it was the Sabbath and the people are going to the synagogue as they did every single week. This is what the Bible says. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. Nothing unusual about what was happening that day. People knew Joseph. They knew Jesus. This was, an, this was just an everyday, normal Sabbath gathering together of the people. Uh, they, 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 they knew Joseph. They knew Jesus' uh, uh, father. They knew, no doubt they knew Mary as well. And the Bible says, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, which is the text that we read. Now, notice he was handed the book of Isaiah. He didn't choose it. It was handed to him, and he goes to the place where the reading was to take place. And it's interesting because Jesus is about to read a prophecy about himself. Although everything looked like it was another day at the office, although it looked like it was just another Sabbath, uh, ushers at the door, people arriving late, uh, musicians on stage... It just looked like a normal Sabbath, but there was nothing regular about this particular Sabbath. There was nothing regular or normal about this particular service. Jesus was about to read Isaiah 61, a prophecy that was written hundreds of years earlier about a day when the Messiah would come. The prophecy spoke about a time when, when a Messiah would come and he spoke about the ministry of the Messiah, what the Messiah would do. And here was the day. Jesus the Messiah was reading the prophecy and the fulfillment of that prophecy was happening right there and then. Here, here was a prophecy that the people of Israel had written and read and declared and, and known about and spoken about for years and years and years. And they kept saying, well, one day the Messiah is going to come. One day Jesus is going to come. One day the Messiah is going to come. And this is what the Messiah is going to look like. And this is what the Messiah is going to do. And here was the day. When Jesus the Messiah stands up to read a prophecy about himself, not only is he reading the prophecy about himself, he is also the fulfillment of that prophecy. This was a pivotal moment in history. They're sitting in the midst of something powerful. This was the beginning of something new. This was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. The world was no longer going to be the same again. Everything that had happened for thousands of years was suddenly going to change. That day, because Jesus got up and he began to read the scripture. They were in the midst of a miracle and they didn't have any idea. It was like it was a setup. It was no accident that Jesus was there that day. It was no accident that he was handed the scroll of Isaiah. It's no accident that he turns to Isaiah chapter 61 and he begins to read. Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Just as a side note, notice the text says that he went to the synagogue as was the custom. Uh, never underestimate the power of good old-fashioned godly habits. Never underestimate the power of good old-fashioned godly habits like reading your Bible, prayer, coming to church. Never underestimate the power of just doing those things day in and day out. Does that mean that every time we read the Bible, something happens, something changes? Well, I believe it can. I believe that every time we read the Word, God can speak to us. I believe that fully. Every time we read the Word, that we, we can, we can, we can uh, hear from God. 
One of the things I do, and I encourage all of you, is to read the Scriptures. Because I believe that God can speak to us every time that happens. This is the Holy Bible. This is, this, is, this is the Bible. This is a living word. It's not some dead book. This is the living word, and it has the power to speak a word into our hearts and into our lives. Now, does it happen every time? It doesn't happen every time. But occasionally, occasionally, as we're reading the Word, as we're just reading the general Word, well, what reading are we up to today? Where we're reading, we're reading the next chapter that, 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 that's on our list of readings to do. And as we read that text, somehow there's a Scripture that comes alive and begins to speak to us. You know, what's really strange is that... Um, I, the way that I read the Bible is sequentially. So I start in, in Genesis and then I go right through to Revelation, start again in Genesis and go right through to Revelation and just, and just start. And it just so happens that the, the, the book I'm in at the moment is the book of Isaiah. And I've been reading chapter by chapter, just reading the book of Isaiah, just an amazing book of the Bible. I encourage you to read it. And last night I get up to, guess which passage I get up to last night? The passage I was reading was Isaiah chapter 61, would you believe? Never underestimate the power of good old-fashioned godly habits. We're living in an age where we've got to be excited all the time, where something's got to happen every time, where there's got to be action every time, that every time we gather together, there's got to be the sensational. And we need to be careful of that. Because if we chase the sensational, uh, uh, it's going to get us into trouble. Never underestimate the power of just good old-fashioned Sometimes, I use the word in inverted commas, boring habits. I think about my fruit trees at home. I got, I got, I've gone through a fruit trees phase, you know, and planted six, seven, eight fruit trees at home and different qualities and different types. And they're fairly new. They're all fairly small plants. And every day I water them and every day I fertilize them and every day I water them and every day I fertilize them. <laughs> By faith in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Believing that one day I will see fruit. And praise the Lord, this, this year, I think we grew, we got, you know, would you believe, I got four apricots, right? Four, four apricots, praise the Lord, four apricots. The birds ate one of them and the ants ate the other two. You know what I mean? It's just ridiculous, man. <laughs> the enemy, you see? Always be careful of the enemy. Uh, but, but, you know, it's, it's the boring, it's the, it's the, it's the mundane, it's the, it's the watering, it's the fertilizing, it's the watering, it's the day in and day out fertilizing. Because I believe that one day there will be fruit on that tree and one day I will pick fruit from that tree. But we're living in an age where it's got to be sensational all the time. It's got to be something happening all the time. There's got, to be, there's got to be movement all the time. Be careful of that. It's going to get you into trouble. Never underestimate the power of good old-fashioned habits. I love what the text says. And Jesus went to the, to, to the, to the, uh, to the synagogue as was the custom of doing. Peter and John went to the, were going to the temple just at the hour of prayer, just like they did every single time. They were just walking towards the temple at the hour of prayer. And as they're walking towards the temple, there's a crippled man on the side of the road. And he says, why don't you give me some money? And then something triggers in Peter. The Holy Spirit speaks to him. And he turns to the man who was, who was asking for the money. And he said, silver and gold, I have none. But what I have, I give thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. Powerful habit. It's in the midst of the ordinary that God does the extraordinary. It's in the midst of the routine that God speaks. It's in the reading of the Logos that the rhema comes. It's listening to God's word every week that God speaks a word from time to time that changes our lives. 
changes our hearts. That changes the course of our lives. And I want us to believe that today could be that kind of day. That it seems like a routine Sunday, ushers, musicians, people are coming into church, cafe beforehand. And, um, but this is not a routine Sunday. I want us to believe that this is a day that has been set up for thousands of years. That this is a day that God has been planning because he wants to speak to us, because he wants to do something powerful in our lives. I want us to believe that the Spirit of the Lord is among us today, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us today to bring good news to the poor. How many people know you can be very wealthy and still be very poor? And God, God's got a, a good news. He's got some good news to speak to those who are longing for life and happiness and joy. He wants to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to set those who are free, those who feel, feel like they're in a prison. He wants to set them free to open blind eyes. How many people know you can see and be blind? Blindness speaks about the lack of hope and, and can't see the future. I don't know. I can't see how I'm going to get out of this. I can't, I can't see how I'm going to get through this. Jesus is the, is, is the person that can open blind eyes to set the oppressed free. And above all else, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Come on, I want us to take a hold of this scripture. I want us to take a hold of this scripture prophetically. I want us to believe that it's no accident that you and I are here today, that it's no accident that you and I are reading from this text because God wants to say something specific to all of us that 2019 is not just going to be another year. It's going to be a year of the Lord's favor. It's going to be a year filled with blessing, breakthrough, miracles, healing, where God's power is released. A year where broken hearts are healed in the name of Jesus. A year where people are set free from whatever's holding them captive and bound. A year where the blind eyes are open, where oppressed people are set free. A year where businesses flourish, where finances is released. A year where prayers are answered in the name of Jesus. A year where we've been struggling with certain things and, and not finding a way through certain things. But, but 2019, I pray and believe it's going to be a different year. I want us to believe that 2019 is going to be the year of the Lord's favor. And they're just like Jesus, just like, just like the time that's recorded right here in Luke chapter 4. That was no accident that this was happening, that Jesus was there at the right time. It was no accident that Jesus got up to read the scripture. It was no accident that he was handed the book of Isaiah. It was no accident that he turns to Isaiah 61. I want us to believe that it's no accident we're reading from this text today. I want us to believe it's no accident that we're here in this place today, that this has been a setup for, for thousands of years because God is wanting to speak a word into our hearts, speak a word into our spirits, speak a word about what he wants to do in our hearts and lives in this coming year. Can I hear a little amen somewhere? Amen. Bible has so much to say about the favor of God. Appears over 150 times in the Old Testament. New Testament, it's embodied in the concept of grace. And just before we, we break bread, um, two questions I want to answer. Two quick questions I want to answer. Why is the favor of God so important? Why, why is it so important that we have the favor of God upon us? And second question is, how can we access the favor of God? First thing we need to understand about the favor of God is the favor of God brings the favor of people. Favor of God brings the favor of people. Book Bible says about Daniel, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. 
Now God had brought Daniel into the favour and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Daniel, we know, was taken captive from Israel by the Babylonians. And uh, the Bible says, despite all of that, he won the favour of the chief of the eunuchs. What was it about Daniel that caused him to win the favour of the leaders? What was it because of a strategic alliance? Was Daniel just lucky? Was it chance or fate? No, I believe the reason why Daniel won the favour of the leaders was because he had the favour of God. There's something that we need in our lives. It's the favour of God, church. Never underestimate the power of the favour of God. So often we think that we need to develop some strategic alliances so we can succeed. We need to be friendly with certain people so that we can, you know, if we're friendly with those people, then we, we might be able to get favour somewhere down the track. If we're smart, then we can work our way ahead. Daniel had none of those things. What Daniel had was the favour of God. Favour of God will enable you to find favour with people and favour with employers and Favor of God will bring the favor of men. Solomon is speaking to his son about wisdom. He said, my son, don't forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. It's not just going to be the favor of God. The favor of God is also going to win us the favor of men. Second thing we learn about the favor of God is it brings success. Favor of God brings success. The Bible says about Esther, great book of the Bible to read. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women and she won his favor and approval more than all the others. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. God granted Esther success and she became the queen of Persia. When you have the favor of God upon your life, you will prosper, you will be blessed, you will flourish. Everything you touch will turn to gold. The Bible tells us the story of Joseph, whose story is not unlike Esther's. Lord was with Joseph and he prospered, says the Bible in Genesis 39. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. There it is again. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Here was Joseph away from his family. Here was Joseph in a very difficult situation. Um, but the Bible says that the Lord was with him and God gave him success in everything that he did. How many would like that about their lives? <laughs> How many people would like to, that to be said about their own lives? Some people say to be successful, you've got to work hard. You need to sacrifice. You need to be smart. All of those things are good. But more than all of that, what you need to do is understand that success comes from God. Not from your intelligence, hard work, your sacrifice. Joseph prospered because the Lord gave him success. You know, Esther, the Bible says, prospered. She won his favor. She won his approval more than all of the other virgins. Why was that? She won his approval because she had the favor of God upon her. God said to the people of Israel, I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers and I will keep my covenant with you. I will look with favor upon you and make you fruitful and increase. That's a great scripture to understand. It's, it's, it's a powerful scripture for us to understand that the basis of our, of our success, that the ultimate source of success is God. That what we need above all else is the favor of God upon our lives. 
If you're in business here today, don't, don't underestimate the power. But Pastor Joe, we've got to work hard. Don't, don't we need to work hard? Don't we need to be strategic? Don't we need this? Don't we need that? Don't we need all these other things? And, and we need to read and study and, and, and work out what you, we need all of those things. None of those things are bad, but never forget that success ultimately comes from God. It's the favour of God that we need above all else. What made Joseph prosper was not his intelligence. It was not how good he worked, and yet he worked really well. It was his character. It was all of those things. But above all else, it was because God was allowing him to succeed and to prosper. When we have the favour of God upon us, coincidences happen. When when we have the favour of God upon us, things happen in our lives that, that only God can orchestrate. I was telling the Italian congregation, uh, it's coming up to 14 years that they've been uh, the pastor of this church. And I think back to the history of this church over 60 years. Over 60 years that this church has been going. And at pivotal times, there were things that happened which turned the course of the church, which, which rescued the church from certain things, which, which helped the church. In some How did those things happen? Was it because the board was strategic? Because the leaders were smart? You've got to be joking. Oh, you don't have to laugh that much. Um, it's the favor of God. It's the blessing of God. Come on, church. It's the favor of God. Don't underestimate that. Moses is blessing the Israelites, and he says about Nephtali, and he says this Nephtali is abounding with the favor of the Lord and is full of his blessing. Wouldn't it be great if as a church, come on, church, wouldn't it be great if we were abounding in the favor of God and we would abound in his blessing? Thirdly, the favour of God will help you prosper in difficult times, in evil times. Favour of God is not dependent on what's happening around you. The favour of God is dependent on God. The Bible says in Genesis that the world had become evil. God said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created and with them the animals, the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, some of you might say, well, it's really hard to serve God because of where I am. You don't know the people. Uh, you don't know how evil they are. Uh, finding it really hard to serve God where I am because of what's happening around me. Some of you think you're being held back because of the environment that you're in. Look at what the Bible says about the time of Noah. The people were evil. The people were wicked. Every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord was grieved that he made man. Can you imagine that? So the Lord said, I'm going to wipe mankind. When you see the rainbow, that's what, it, that's what it reminds us of. It reminds us what happened way back then in the book of Genesis. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Despite everything that was happening around him at that time, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But Esther found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But Joseph found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But Ruth found favor in the eyes. Daniel found favor in the eyes. But Nehemiah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And you can prosper no matter where you are. Because the favor of God is not dependent on what's happening around us. The favor of God is dependent upon God. Why is the favor of God so important? Because it brings the favor of people. Because it brings success. Because it'll help you prosper in difficult times. Many other reasons. Second question, how can we access the favor of God? 
First thing we need to understand really quickly and accept by faith is that we are favored by God. We are favored by God. When the angel appeared to Mary, he said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I wonder if we could believe that about ourselves. I wonder if we could believe that we are favored by God. So many people say, well, everyone else is favored, everyone else is blessed, everyone else is used by God, but not me. I want you to know that that kind of thinking is going to stop you from receiving the blessing and the favor of God. I want you to believe that you are favored by God. It's a promise of Scripture. The angel appears to Mary, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I want us to grab a hold of that scripture and believe it for ourselves. I want us to grab a hold of that promise and believe it, that we can be favored by God because the Lord is with us. Pastor Joe, how do we access the promises of God? Listen, listen carefully. There are two things that are essential for salvation. There, there, there are two things. The first thing is that we need to believe what the Bible says. Many of us are in faith here today because we heard someone speak from the Word of God. We heard someone preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we believed that someone said that, you know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that if we could put our faith in Him, we could be saved. We heard the message and we believed it. But belief is not enough. The second thing that we need to do is we need to confess it. There needs to be a time where we hear the message, where we believe it to be true, And then we confess it over our lives. Come on, church, are you with me? We need to hear the message, we believe it, and then we confess it. And there came a point in our lives where we said, I I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I accept him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And when we did that by faith, something changed, something transformed in our hearts and lives. Now that's true of salvation. That's also true of the promises of God. We hear the word, oh, well, I can be favored by God. Second, we need to believe it to be true. We need to believe that we could be favored by God. And thirdly, we need to confess it in the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to begin to confess and say, you know, I'm going to believe that 2019 is going to be a different year in the name of Jesus, that I can be blessed by God. We can be favored by God, that God is going to pour out his favor over my life. How many of us could believe that? Two people. That's great. Second thing we need to do is seek the favor of God. Bible says, but Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. I love that. But Moses sought the favor of God. How do we get the favor of God? We seek after it. David prayed, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. How do we seek the favor of God? We pray for it. Oh God, would your blessing be upon me? Oh God, I just pray that your blessing, that your favor would be upon me, that this year would be the year of the Lord's favor in the name of Jesus. Third thing we need to do to obtain favor from God is turn from sin. Look what Daniel says. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. Notice what Daniel says. He says, we seek the favor of God by turning from sin. Some people want to live in sin and expect the favor of God. Here's another scripture. Um, It's found in uh, Exodus 33. I love this scripture. It says this. This is Moses praying. Exodus 33. If you're pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. I love this scripture. 
Because it says, it's Moses, he's saying, Lord, if you please with me, then teach me your ways. Listen, there is a way that brings us to the favour of God. There's a way that brings us to the favour of God and there's a way that doesn't. You study the people of Israel, the history of the people of Israel, you see whenever they followed after God, whenever they sought after God, they experienced the favour of God. Whenever they turned away from God, they experienced the complete opposite. And that's true of us. I just love Moses' heart. I love his spirit. He's saying, God, teach me your ways because I want to know you, Lord God. I want to get closer to you, Lord God. I want to know your ways so that I can continue to find favour with you, Lord God. I want to know more about you. What, what is the way that leads me to the favour of God? What a great prayer to pray. What a great prayer to pray. Favour of God is the byproduct of following after God. And if we live in obedience to the word of God, we will experience the favour of God. Jesus uh, is going to the synagogue as he went every, uh, every week. And uh, as he's there, he's uh, handed the scroll of Isaiah. And he gets up in the middle of that uh, gathering and he begins to read. Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolls up the scroll and he gives it to the attendant. And Jesus says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And I pray that today, I pray that today would not just be another Sunday. I pray that today would just not be another first Sunday of the year. That it's no accident that we're here, no accident that we're listening to this word, no accident that I'm speaking from Isaiah 61. I could have preached from any text. I just felt the Holy Spirit was leading me right here. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to say something to us. that this year is not just going to be another year in the name of Jesus, that we would believe that this would be the year of the Lord's favour, not, not only individually, but also corporately as a church. The Bible tells us a story of Esther. It's a great book to read. Uh, we know that evil Haman had orchestrated to have all the Jews killed. And here was Esther, a Jew who was being challenged by her uncle Mordecai to go to the king. Esther hadn't been asked to see the king for over a month. Certain rules and regulations back then. Uh, if she wasn't asked to, to come and see the king then, and she kind of barged in and started talking to the king, uh, the king could actually order for her to be killed. So she was a bit nervous about seeing the king. She'd kind of told her uncle Mordecai, listen, I think what you're saying is a good idea, but I'm not really sure I'm willing to do that because I could lose my life. And Mordecai says, who knows that God has not brought you here for such a time as this? It's one of those pivotal scriptures, powerful scriptures. Who knows that God has not brought you here for such a time as this? Who knows that God has not brought you here for such a time as this. 
Who knows that God has not brought us here for such a time as this because God has orchestrated, God is wanting to do something in and through our lives. So she organises for the people of Israel to fast for three days. She sends out a call to all the people, I want you to fast for three days. And after that, she says, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to approach the king. Question is, why does she ask the people to fast? She did that because she knew she needed the favour of God. Actually, what she needed was the favour of the king, but she knew that more than the favour of the king, what she needed was the favour of God. Because she knew that if she had the favour of God, she had the favour of the king. And we know the story. She went to the king and spoke to the king and saved the people of Israel. And as a church, if there's one thing that we need, it's the favour of God. So this week we gather to pray and seek God. Um, as we have done in this church for, for quite a number of years now, we dedicate three nights of prayer. It's not an accident that we do this. We don't just do this because, you know, it's the right thing to do at the beginning of every, of every year where we set aside, you know, three nights of prayer. We don't do that by accident. We don't do that because we don't want to have a service. We do that strategically because above all else, what we need as a church more than anything else is the favour of God. That it doesn't matter how smart we are, how good we are, how strategic we are, how good everything is here. If we don't have the favour and the blessing of God, we got nothing in this church. And so we gather together as a church and we pray and we seek and we cry out for the favour of God. Because every time we gather together, what we need is God to be present. Our words can't change the heart of anybody, but God can. God can speak through every thought and every emotion. God can speak right through it. When we have the favour of God, people's lives are set free. People's lives begin to change. That's why we gather Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night to pray. And I want to encourage you. And I know that every time we have these prayer meetings, people come. They, they just come. Because this is a church that understands the power of prayer. This, this church understands how important prayer is. And I want to encourage you this week. I know it's the second week of January, but, but if, you've, if you've got some time, I want you to come. And let's cry out to God in the name of Jesus. Let's seek the face of God like we never have before. Let's be like Esther and say, come on, let's cry out to God. Three days. Because we want 2019 to be different. Not, not because we need our world to, 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 to come to this church or no religion. We need people to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because Jesus is the one that can set people free in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Paul says to the Corinthians, it's in the time of my favor I heard you. And in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Today is the day of the Lord's favour. Today is the day of salvation. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward and we're going to prepare to break bread together. We're going to prepare to take communion. And communion is always a special time. It's an opportunity for us to connect with God. It's an opportunity for us to, to, to cry out to God in a way. And as we enter into 2019, it's an opportunity for us to come before God and say, God, you know, want 2019 to be different and 2019 to be a year 
of your favor. I want those that are going to help us, the brethren that are going to help us uh, distribute the emblems, I want you to come forward. And um, what we're going to do is the worship team is going to lead us in song as we do. And uh, brethren are going to help us distribute uh, the bread and, and, and the cup. And I want you to hold them in your hands. And we're going to take communion together in just a few moments. But as, as they're doing that, as we're singing, as we're reflecting, I, I just want you to pray and believe with me that 2019 can be different. Last week I spoke on the subject, what one thing in your life, if it changed, could make the biggest difference in your life. What an opportunity to present whatever it is that you've been thinking and reflecting on. What a great opportunity just to present that to the Lord, to believe that 2019 is going to be a powerful year in Jesus' name. Thank you.